the Braves get their sweep, but now what are they going to get at the trade deadline? You expect something. Just like I said, he's always, the wheels are always turning with him. Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, and that little piece of audio you heard to start the show includes the hottest man in the Braves universe talking about the most important man now in the Braves universe as the trade deadline approaches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos is definitely working the phones as we speak right now. Has been all week. He's been locked in on the trade deadline. Um and you never really know what to expect, right? And I think that's a, a different experience for Braves fans versus fans of other teams is that uh, usually Alex is very active, but because of something we'll talk about in a couple minutes, because I saw this show sheet, you never really know what he's going to do. So it should be interesting. All right, coming up, we will, of course, have everything you need to know about the deadline deals and what could happen. The historic month of July for Austin Riley will preview the big five-game series against the Mets, and we've got plenty of questions in our Ask Justin segment. If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow it on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The original plan for the show was to start, of course, with a bunch of trade deadline news. But when somebody breaks a record of Hank Aaron's, that goes first. That's pretty good company. And that guy you're keeping, you broke the record, right? Pretty stellar man you just passed there. <laughs> That's Brian Snicker on Austin Riley, whose walk-off double on Sunday is his 26th extra base hit in July. And yes, it is a little bit of an esoteric record, but he does pass the hammer for the most extra base hits in a month. Hank set that record in 1961. Kind of surreal a little bit. You know, he's either hitting balls through the wall or over the wall. Or, I mean, the bats are just incredible. Player of the month has got to be a lock now, but what about MVP? Yeah, no, I mean, MVP has to be in the sights. And I think when a lot of casual baseball fans think about this award. You know, the eyes go to Freddie Freeman or maybe Pete Alonso, Paul Goldschmidt. But Austin Riley is second in OPS right now in the NL. He is second in home runs, and he's uh, third in doubles right behind Matt Olson. And then if you want to go look at extra base hits overall, well, he's first in extra base hits by five of them. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> he's... <laughs> If that's not a front runner for NL MVP, I, I don't really know, you know, what is. Freddie's having a great season. Paul Goldschmidt's having a great season. Um, you know, guys like Manny Machado, Arenado, Trey Turner are going to be in the conversation, or at least right now. But Austin Riley, um, the mix of the OPS and the counting stats to me are pretty, like, it's pretty crazy. And so I think, you know, he's got to be, in your top two, top three, if not the front runner, just because of that. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, his average isn't going to completely blow you away, but he still ranks seventh in average. I mean, he's batting 301 now uh, because he's just been so hot over the month of July. And his slugging percentage, by the way, 604, <laughs> which is pretty unfathomable heading into August. That ranks first. So if you look at a lot of that, I mean, he's ahead of Paul Goldschmidt, a lot of those categories. 
to me, he's got to be, you know, the front runner, at least in the top two right now, depending on what voters are going to value. Uh, you don't really know um, until kind of all is said and done, but you're going to have a tough time arguing against his case for that. Now, the other number you've probably heard by now is that Riley's the last Brave to hit over 400 and hit 10 homers in a month since Chipper did it in 99. Chipper is the last Brave to win an MVP award over a full season, and he got hot in July and then tore apart the Mets in September, and Riley is trending in a similar direction. Right. I think um, the interesting part of this is you look at April and May, and you saw, you know, Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, you know, even even Freddie Freeman. But I think it's it's not so much about who's hot early on, it's who gets hot in July or August. Uh, because that, that can really, you know, not only swing your season in terms of your numbers, but if you're hotter later, I mean, carrying that into the second half, through the second half. So Austin Riley is uh, on a good pace here right now. Yeah, he's he's got you know, like we just talked about the stats, but it's going to be interesting because yeah, a lot of times, you know, whoever wins MVP, it's like you see him get hot around June, July, August. And, uh, he has had as good of a June as you possibly could have imagined. Um, if not better, I mean, I don't think anybody saw a month like this coming from him and it just speaks to his development over the last three years to become, you know, one of the best hitters in baseball. And what we're hearing a lot, you know, from guys is just that, you can't throw him a strike right now. Um, it's something that Kyle Wright said. You know, Spencer Strider kind of said the same thing recently. I'm sure we have those sound bites queued up. But just how do you attack him if you're a pitcher? I, th- I think that's the question that pitchers have not been able to answer because if you're leaving something over the plate, he's going to crush it. And he's, you know, he's kind of spitting on pitches that are close, you know, close to the strike zone. So, I mean, he's had a lot of good swing decisions and is impacting the ball because that's really never been an issue, the power, but now he's putting everything else together and has become a more complete hitter. Speaking of sound. You can't throw him a strike. <laughs> I feel like anything you throw in there, he's he's doing damage. He's not just getting hits, he's doing damage, which is um, even more impressive. But, you know, like I said, he's just been so impressive um, with his at-bats, um, the damage. He's playing great defense, and uh, he really is just doing it all. Well, we've had a lot of conversations between the two of us. If I were to pitch to him, and I think he knows. We, we're, we're on the same page as to who would have the upper hand. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he just his presence in the box at this point, I mean, it's with every hit, with every at-bat, he gets more dangerous, and you can see it in the way guys approach him. Um, you know, you, you try and get ahead, but you're challenging him, so you're, you're risking yourself there, and then you try to be careful so you fall behind, and now you're in trouble. So it just seems like there's no good way to, to go at him, and he's, he's just rolling. That's Spencer Strider. Uh, Spencer's a very confident man, but I think uh, he is very happy that he does not have to face Austin Riley right now. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these guys are. Um, and he was asked a couple minutes after that, uh, you know, about his the implication he had, you know, and somebody said, I think, uh, oh, so you're saying, like, you would win, right? Like, joking with him, and he's like, oh, I'll leave it up to interpretation. But it's – all those guys are happy they don't have to face him. And, he, he I mean, he's just been crushing pitch. It does, like, he, Spencer's laid it out perfectly. It doesn't matter like what you do to him, where the pitch is. It's hard to pitch him right now uh, because he's doing damage on so many things. And it's like you can't really commit one way or the other because he's been so good all around. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting because especially like a guy like Austin Riley who has helped carry this offense, that's really masked other issues like, you know, Marcelo Zuna not hitting, you know, as well. Ronald Acuna not hitting as well as he, you know, has to this point in his career. 
um, and struggling really for the first time, you know, in his young career. Um, things like that, I mean, Austin Riley has just completely put a Band-Aid over, and it's going to be interesting because you look at a lot of these top teams who, you know, want another hitter at the deadline, and the Braves, you know, despite maybe Adam Duvall, you know, losing Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario not having gotten hot, you know, until the past few days, um, Acuna struggling, Ozuna struggling, things like that. Austin Riley's carried more than carried the offense, um, and, and he's been going for a long time now. Like the thing in baseball is, you want to have three guys going at one time, and then maybe a new three or four the next week or next couple weeks. He's just been going for five or six weeks. All right, now the reason that that everybody's here, of course, the trade deadline, and I know that for sports fans, this is one of the five best days of the year. What's it like as a beat reporter? Stressful. Uh, <laughs> I can't call it one of the five best days of my year, but yeah, it's got to be close. No, it's it's fun. You, you never know what to expect, especially when you're covering a team like this. And it's it's even more fun when it's like the team that you're covering is making a move or two to push itself over the top, not, you know, shedding payroll and then like trading guys away, like just rebuilding. Like I think that... That would stink. That's tough. Like guys, you you know you've covered going out, you know stage left, left and right, just because, you know the team's not good. But when you're in a situation like this, I mean it's it's interesting. It's really yeah, it's stressful. There's always a lot of news, always a lot of things to keep track of. But it is one of the best five days of the year for sports fans because you never know what's going on. Um, you have your tweet notifications on, your ESPN notifications on, whatever it might be. I you know I remember doing that you know in high school and college, and it was uh. It's it's always fun to see who lands where, especially because of the um, the economic landscape in baseball makes the trade deadline extra intriguing. All right, so what's it like in the clubhouse this time of year? Snitch says him and Alex Anthopoulos talk every day. He calls and just kind of let, lets me know where he's at, and I don't see him a lot because he's you know he kind of gets up there at his office and doesn't know if he leaves. Um, I come down here and grab a sandwich every now and then, but he's up there busy working. I know that and pounding the phones and I'm sure he's got boards everywhere with names and, you know, his guys. And um, so he kind of, you know, he just, this pretty much tells me what he's got going. And if he needs, or if I need him, he's there. But, you know, I say you don't see too much of him this time of year because he's busy working. And that's why the players have high hopes. Here's Austin Riley. Yeah. I mean, you expect something, just like I said, he's always, you know, the wheels are always turning with him, um, and um, so we'll, we'll see. I know I'm anxious to see what happens. And if you know, nothing happens, I feel I feel comfortable where we're at. Like I said, but we got a really good team. And here's you with Matt Olson. He's had some good deadlines in the past, and seems to be hit, hit on a lot of moves. Is kind of known around the game as one of the best GMs. How much do you trust a guy like that when he's, you know, kind of like building the roster and the trust that he's going to do, you know, what's best for the team because of that track record? Yeah, you know, I think it's big. Um, you know, like you said, he does what's best for the team. Um, you know, there's no, uh, if something needs to get done, it, it gets done. It's the way it feels like here. You know, my, my, my you know, initial start to the year, just watching from afar uh, previously, like, you know, I talked about last year, we needed guys that went out and got them. There's like no questions asked. So the simple question to start is, uh, what are you hearing? Yeah. Well, not much from the Braves side, just because um, we alluded to this at the top of the show. But Alex, as well as being one of probably baseball's most savvy GMs, um, somebody known for doing his homework, 
also is somebody known for never leaking anything to the media. Um, and I think that's like become a funny thing around like Braves fans is that when you hear something, it'll probably be from like the team, like rumor and, and rumor wise, like a lot of that stuff comes from other teams and like other agents and things like that, uh, who aren't involved with the Braves. So no, it's going to be, I mean, I've had, you know, a couple things floated to me by like people in the industry, just about like names and things like that. Um, you know, a couple interesting ones, like you know, what it might take to get a guy like Brian, you know, Brian Reynolds or things like that. Um, or an interesting name to me was Austin Hayes um, from the Orioles is one that you don't really see circling around kind of the the rumor mill that was brought up to me by somebody. Um, but yeah, and in terms of things like that, Alex keeps pretty quiet and it's tough to know if anything's as concrete as it seems because a lot, it's just, it just isn't coming from him. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. I mean, we look at kind of their priorities and needs and uh there are a few right and i think we'll lead into that yep and uh, we're going to also turn some of these over to our ask justin questions because we got a ton obviously and a lot of them at the trade deadline so we'll pull up three here and help us out we'll start with at in dust we trust what do the braves need more starting pitcher a backup dh or an outfielder yeah i would say that um it's a little bit of a nuanced answer if the braves were able to or were willing to trade top prospects for an impact starting pitcher like Luis Castillo, you know, whom the Mariners acquired a couple days ago, I would say a starting pitcher because you want to have the most star-studded rotation um, heading into October. That's the way, usually the way you win championships. And with this lineup, um, you're not going to need, you know, they, they can give up two or three runs and still be fine. But I'm going to say an outfielder just because I think this team needs an extra bat. Um, I think they, you know, who knows when Acuna is going to turn around, even if, you know, we know that he can get hot quickly. Um, it's been a very small sample size for Eddie Rosario, uh, who seems to be getting hot, but um, you don't know what's going to happen there. And you want to cover yourself, especially because Guillermo Heredia is, you know, not a great hitter. Um, Marcelo Zuna has had his struggles. Um, William Contreras, you know, had his struggles as well before yesterday's multi-homer game. So I think you have to get another outfielder. I think you have to fortify that a little bit. But I think they need both. I think they need a starting pitcher as well, um, just because they've got to have some depth in there. Like Ian Anderson picked great uh, in his most recent start. But I think the front office is just smart enough to know. They take the whole body of work and not just like one recent sign um, would be my guess. And that's why I think they're going to target starting pitching too, is just because I, I think they, they're going to need to fortify their rotation with, with a back-end guy, like a proven quality starter, but maybe not somebody they're going to need to shell out a lot for. But I would, you know, I, I think they need an outfielder more at this rate. You want to get another bat in there. That's your, your team's like best strength. You want to lean into that. That's just my opinion. Uh, I think they need to add starting pitching and relief pitching too. From Abel Anderson, what player do you think the Braves will most likely get? Name names. Oh my God. Uh, I think Ian Happ. Um, and I don't know. I don't know why that one, I, I, that's, that's my own speculation. Like people always bring up his name, but I think when you look at kind of like what he profiles as, um, he's a free agent after next season, but you know, he's shown great signs. Like right now as we're doing this batting 280, you know, OPS up to, you know, 800, he can play the outfield, you know, second base, third base, utility guy like that. Um, 
I think that would be an interesting one for them, especially because, you know, he can do a lot. He's versatile. Like, the Braves love versatile. Like, the Braves love athletes. Like, that's the way the game has shifted um, in terms of, you know, positional versatility and things like that, but still with a bat. Um, and, yeah, and, and, you know, this year he's he's got nine home runs. He's driven in 46. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a great, you know, a terrific bat, but wouldn't need to be in this lineup, can more slot in, um, is a guy that, you know, his – OBP is 361, uh, so that's I think they need that. It's a very you know strikeout heavy lineup because of all the power they have there. So a little balance like that would be good. Um, so I, I definitely think he could be good. Uh, another one that would be interesting is Whit Merrifield um, from the Royals. I think you know kind of same you know same deal in terms of a kind of a versatile guy. You know he plays second base, can play the outfield. Um, you know obviously they wouldn't need him to be you know play second base, but. Um, he's a free agent after next season. Um, somebody like that, you know, might be good to add another bat. You know, he's not hitting well this year, but I mean, if you look at his career, like he had eight eleven OPS in nineteen, eight oh six, and you know, in eighteen, he looks like he might be declining a little bit. He's thirty three years old, but who knows? So I think I think those two, like a player like that, uh, kind of in that realm. Like I don't see as much of a JD Martinez or a Trey Mancini for. The Braves, I see more of like a utility guy who can do a lot, who's versatile, who kind of fits into to that core a little bit. Um, and Ian Happ was the one I thought about uh, mostly because, you know, he can do a lot of things well. And he's got the, you know, the on-base percentage, you know, the highest OBP uh, to me is enticing if I have a, you know, if I'm building a roster that it has a lot of power hitters. Next from Andrew Tindall, what prospects could you see the Braves moving? Looking very thin down there. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's the biggest. And that's the problem with all this is you got to have a little currency. Yeah, yeah, right. Because like, you know, the Steve Cohens of the world and the uh, Hal Steinbrenners of the world, they can't just open up that pocketbook for the trade deadline. I mean, that they, they can contract wise, but uh, you got to have, you do have to have a little currency. I mean, I I don't think they move a top you know a top guy like what I would see is and by top guy I mean the high end ceiling guys high ceiling guys I would see you know I I could see them moving Kyle Muller for sure who you know recently actually broke his non pitching hand um, on a comebacker in BP uh, but they're trying to make him a splint so he can keep pitching I would see you know Kyle Muller Bryce Elder those are two guys who have you know who have pitched in the bigs and so that's like prospects who could have you know a decently high ceiling but have shown you know that they're somewhat big league ready um and you know on the fringe of it that's attractive to teams uh because teams want you know help soon uh for some of these guys especially these rental players i could see them trading shoemake Braden shoemake tucker davidson somebody like that in terms of like the high ceiling guys who aren't quite you know to the big league level yet the best i could see them trading is you know somebody like lefty jared schuster who's on mob pipeline their seventh ranked prospect he's just got a promotion to triple a i don't even know if you know that'll i know you you kind of got a prospects of your currency down there um and you gotta you know use them and, and a lot of times that's what it takes but they are really 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 thin down there um and so i that's why i would say you know von grissom shortstop now the top prospect off limits you know like i would even say schuster like should probably be uh, guys like that because the graduations are so thin there right now that it's going to be an interesting balance for Alex Anthopoulos. And that's why I think that because of the money that they've saved, 
you know, with signing Matt Olson over Freddie Freeman, things like that. Uh, Will Smith will probably be off the books next year, you know, as will Charlie Morton. I think the Braves are probably more apt to spend free agency than they would to trade a lot of prospect capital for, you know, guys right now. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. And Kroger Chef Jr. is back just in time to wrap up your summer. Come join your local Kroger chef for a guided kids cooking experience, making a fruit pizza on August 13th and August 27th, select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your kid receives an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, recipe card, and box, and a pizza cutter for only $7 per child. So register today at KrogerChefJr.com. That is KrogerChefJr.com. All right, so let's, let's move back to the... Of course, chef um, of this whole trade deadline situation for the Braves, Alex Anthopoulos. And, you know, the expectations placed on a lot of the Braves players are pretty high. The expectations on Anthopoulos this time here to pull another rabbit out of his hat um, have got to be as high as anybody. How do you follow up last year? Yeah, right. It's funny because, like, from his angle, you know, he, he knows Alex is the type of guy that is never, and he said it publicly, like, he's never, ever, like, okay with his current roster like he always he's all he always is concerned about some you know perceived um thin area or whatever it might be like perceived concern and <laughs> and so this is this is funny because this is the one day you know where things heat up and he gets to address those needs and those concerns and he's about as good as anybody um at you know probably doing his homework and getting evaluations and working with the guys in his front office uh like he's always thinking ahead, like not only this year and, and now, but you know, three, four or five years from now, like he, that's, that's what he does. And he's got to balance that, but it's insane because he's probably, he was probably sitting back two weeks ago thinking like, you know, not that he wasn't going to have to do anything, but he probably didn't see Adam Duvall going down Adam Duvall, who by the way was, you know, starting to get a little hot. Um, and you know, probably didn't foresee Ian Anderson being the the pitcher that was was really going to struggle, right? Like you know, months ago. Um, and then you throw in AJ Minter struggling a little bit. Will Smith has been you know pretty you know brutal sometimes. You know, in those those back end spots uh, here and there. Um, and so <laughs> so now you've created you do you have a situation where he needs probably three things at the deadline. Um, to really round out this roster. Now, will the Braves be fine without those three things? Yes, they're going to keep winning. Uh, they probably will not go on some 20-game losing streak. Um, can almost guarantee that. But, you know, to really round out the roster, to really drive forward to repeating as World Series champions, there are a couple holes that you see there now that you probably didn't expect to have. And, yeah, so the, the pressure's on. And I would say the pressure might be close to what it was last year, right? Because last year, if you're sitting there... And you're a Braves fan, or anybody in the media, how could you have even expected the Braves to go for it last year? They scuffled the entire way, and, you know, as much as, you know, Alex Anthopoulos had to make moves to round out that roster and to strengthen them and to, to bolster the outfield, but 
they that team in no way looked like it was a a piece away it was in fact you know as we saw four pieces away uh but this year i think there there might be like more pressure if you view it you know in the sense that like there are the world series champions they won 14 games in a row big division race with the mets right now everybody's headed toward the finish line the mets are playing really well and the mets are rumored to be in on a lot of top guys as well um and then you have you know these Braves are probably a piece or two away from really just like being pretty dominant um, as if they aren't already. And so there might be even more pressure if you think about it. I went back and looked over Anthopolis's trade deadlines when he's been with the Braves. We'll throw out 2020. Um, and it's just the creativity and that none of these trades really have come back to bite him yet. Last year, to get Jock Peterson, he gave up Bryce Ball, who – Power hitting first baseman, only nine homers so far in double-A as an older player hitting 282. To get Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates, they gave up Ricky DeVito and Bryce Wilson. DeVito's got a 512 ERA in high A, Wilson a 631 ERA in the majors. To get Jorge Soler from the Royals, Braves gave up Casey Kalich, a pitcher, three ERA in uh, over uh, two stints in A-ball and triple-A this year. Alex Jackson had to go to the Marlins to get Adam Duvall. We know Alex Jackson has not produced yet. Pablo Sandoval in a money dump to get Eddie Rosario. 2019, Colby Allard went to the Rangers for Chris Martin. He's got an ERA over six since uh, four seasons now with Texas. Traded Travis Demerit and Joey Wentz to the Tigers to get Shane Green. Wentz has got an ERA over eight in six innings in the majors, 473 in AAA. Then he traded Tristan Beck. And Dan Winkler to the Giants to get Mark Melanson. Beck's got an ERA of 566 in double and triple A this year. And then you look at 2018, gave up international slot money to get Johnny Venters, international slot money to get Brad Brock, traded Lucas Sims, Preston Tucker, and Matt Whistler to get Adam Duvall in a total change of scenery trade for everybody. And the only player that has really taken off, well, I guess Matt Whistler's finally taken off uh, with Tampa. But to get uh, Kevin Gossman and Darren O'Day, the Braves gave up Brett Cumberland, J.C. Encarnacion, Bruce Zimmerman, and Evan Phillips. Evan Phillips been pretty good with the Dodgers. And that's it. That's the list. Yeah, Evan Phillips has been pretty good. But you're looking at a guy who really good, actually. But that is an incredible track record. Because a lot of people say that you have to know your own system. Um, but that's only one step of it. <laughs> like, it's got to be... You've got to feel confident. There's got to be something you see that tells you those guys aren't going to blossom. And you're really, you're literally taking a chance. Every GM, president of baseball operations, whatever the title may be, knows that. But that, to Alex's credit, is an incredible use of his resources, like the people around him. And then, you know, his own mind, like his own, you know, his scouting background, things like that. Like, you've got to know your own system. You've got to know those guys in and out. Like, you have to know... It, like everything and that's I think that's what's so tough about the job is not only do you have to do that but then you have to get on the phone with you know whoever it might be that day whatever rival GM um and hammer these things out and it's it's pretty incredible and you look at the creativity like who expected Jock Peterson like Jorge Soler had been terrible with the Royals last year before like going yeah. to the Braves like just terrible and so like a lot of you know a lot of this is like not only do you have to know your own system, but you have to know how other guys fit in. You have to like, and to this point, the Braves have a pretty good culture. They think a lot of, you know, everybody can fit in to some degree, but it's like, you have to know specific strengths and how they're going to fit in on your own roster. It's a really tough job. And it, 
usually you're not acing it quite like he is. Like, and I know the Rays, you know, the Rays are another team that's known for that. Like, if the Rays want to trade with you, hang up the phone. But, like, even they gave up, you know, Jake Cronenworth to the Padres, and they've, you know, given up others. And the Braves, you know, will too. And, you know, some of those guys you just read off may come back to bite them. But to this point, it's been pretty remarkable to not have one of those things that always ends up on, like, you know, those tweets or, you know, stories about the worst trades. That being said, just has this feeling that the Mets are doing everything they can to make it a huge splash because they're going for it. What are you hearing from the Mets? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just even, you know, from the people on that beat, it's like it it almost seems like they're going to be the winners of the the Wilson Contreras, David Robertson sweepstakes. Uh, they're doing they're doing literally whatever it takes. I mean, I think that's it's been clear based on what's been reported out there, whether it be those two guys or J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez. Like, it's pretty clear that they know they need a bat or two um, to really push them over the edge. And, oh, by the way, they're already really good. They've won six in a row. They just kind of rolled through Miami and just completely blitzed the Marlins this weekend. Um, a quarter, you know, including getting to two, you know, top pitchers in the NL. Uh so yeah, I mean they're they're gonna make a splash. I mean they need you know help in their bullpen, uh, and I think Billy Epler, their general manager, said recently that that's kind of gonna be a pretty fast moving market once you know the the trade deadline nears, and so they think they can get that. But I you know I I see them just based on my own prediction landing Wilson Contreras and David Robertson, or you know or just Wilson Contreras. I mean I think it's uh. They know they need one more bat, and you know we saw them at Truist Park a couple weeks ago. And if they just had a little more power in that lineup, I think you know it, it makes it even tougher for teams because they're the at bats are so good, they're so good at fighting off pitches, they're so you know they everybody's given tough at bats. Um, and the thing that's difficult about the Mets, if you look at them as the Braves or the Phillies or the Dodgers or or even you know anybody else competing in baseball, is that. They have the rotation. Jacob deGrom's coming back, and it's slated to start Tuesday in Washington. They've got Max Scherzer, who has looked phenomenal since coming off the injured list. Chris Bassett's been good. Carlos Carrasco's been good, you know, better this year than he was last year. Taiwan Walker's still been good. So, really, they've got the most important pieces in place, and they just need a bat, and they're willing to take on, you know, the contract and give up the prospects because they've got a deeper system, you know, after the last couple drafts. And then that'll set up very nicely for a five-game series in New York this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be... I mean, man, you look at 12 games, so if you include those five games, they've got 12 games remaining, uh, and then after that, the this will have been the Braves' third trip to New York if that first one wouldn't have gotten wiped out because of the lockout. So after this series, the Braves host the Mets for four, and then again at the end of the year for three. So they can make that up, but this if they, this five-game series doesn't go well for Atlanta, I mean, it's it's going to be tough because you look at the Mets' schedule in September, um, and it's not very difficult. Like, I know the Braves have played a lot of their tough teams already in terms of the other NL teams, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Brewers, teams like that. But, I mean, the Mets in September, let me, let me just read this off to you um, as a, a reason why I think the Braves have to gain some ground or at least just just hold serve in New York over five games because the Mets in September after playing a game against the Dodgers have the Nationals for three the Pirates for three the Marlins for three the Cubs for three the Pirates for three four more uh Milwaukee for three the A's for three and then two against the Marlins before that Brave series 
Uh, so that's a lot of games there that they should win. You never know how things are going to go, but it's going to be kind of a battle of the Titans and Queens, right? I mean, I think it's it's gotten to the point where with the Braves and how stacked they have become um, and the Mets and the season they're having, it's it's almost like this captures kind of the eyes of the baseball world uh, when when these two play. And there's going to be five games, you know, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom are both going to pitch. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody's going to pitch. Like, it, it's just going to be in, incredible. And then, of course, the Braves will have two at home against the Phillies before they head up to New York as we wrap up the trade deadline here. Rapid fire. All right. What happens with Juan Soto? Ooh, uh, Padres land him. What happens with Otani? Stays put. Who wins the deadline? Uh, I'm going to say the Dodgers. You're not hearing much about them, but they're going to do something. The Dodgers always win the deadline. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, pretty, it, that's a pretty good guess. Yeah, yeah. Great for the Castillo trade. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's an A return, it seems like, for the Reds, who got a few top prospects from the Mariners um, in that good system. And, I mean, you know, for the Mariners, that's got to be an A, too. They're really going for it. Now they've got an ace-level pitcher for the next one and a half years. And Yankees and Benintendi. Yeah, that's that's a good one. It, it shocked me how much uh, how little the Yankees seem to give up. Now, who knows what other teams see in your prospects, um, but it didn't seem – I mean, they didn't really give up any top 10s for a rental player, uh, not even really any top 15s if you look at most projections. Uh, so, yeah, really good to get a rental guy like that um, to kind of push them over. Now, with the trade deadline approaching, the stretch run, likely postseason, and who knows after that, it's a great time to join the community here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Your subscriptions are what power this whole thing. And if you're not aware, we do have a very special deal for Braves fans and listeners to this podcast to subscribe. We call it our season pass, and it's half off our regular offer, so you get unlimited digital access to all the AJC's products for just $39.99 for the next eight months. That is $125 a week. So you don't go, don't get just Justin's Braves coverage, but all of our sports writers, newsletters, and all of our journalism besides sports. So if you want to join the community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. So you always know what's really going on. All right, we'll wrap things up here with part two of Ask Justin, taking questions off your Twitter feed at... Justin C. Toscano, part two. First up from Lex... Any recent update on Soroka? Yeah, nothing on Soroka. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean we haven't asked. It's just that they'll let us know when there is a substantial update. So nothing more, just still ramping up. From Lenio Makudu, curious. Did Kinley's apparent bad body language and demeanor when coming in to close the game against the Phillies rub any of the Braves staff the wrong way? Oh, no, that's good question. But I think uh, we are actually... I think he he was more that wasn't about having to come in the game. I think he's just more miffed with uh, the umpires and how he gets checked upon coming into the game. So he says, "Hey, if you're going to take my time there, um, I'm going to take my time getting to the mound." So no, I don't really think there was anything to that. It wasn't about the Braves. It was more like <laughs> disdain for getting checked upon entrance. From the Ritter, how much does one start change the goal of the front office? Ian Anderson showed what he was capable of yesterday. I wonder if that's enough for the Braves to just roll with him as the fifth start. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it always could if they saw something, you know, that they think could carry, but that's their job. Uh, their job is literally to find 
what's a trend and what's just kind of a flash in the pan because there definitely are trends, but other things just kind of happen. And I think in this case, my guess is that they're, they're going to look at the body of work, uh, the inconsistency, um, the fact that a few of his good starts have come against the Diamondbacks and the Nationals. Um, you know, I think three of his four last good starts have come against those teams. And so I think, uh, you know, the struggles against some of the other teams, I think they're going to look at a lot of that inconsistency in the total body of work to, and still needing a starting pitcher. Adrian Kirk. Do you feel better about the Braves' odds versus the Mets or Dodgers in a playoff series? Um, I would, I honestly, I would say right now, I almost feel better about the Mets or the Dodgers. I, I mean, it's it's close, but I just think those two teams have better rotations when healthy, um, and have guys that you you might trust more in those spots. It's really really close, especially because the Braves can put eight runs on you like nothing like they showed Shohei Otani. But um, I think right now those two te- those two other teams appear, you know, still have holes, but appear just a little more complete because of those frontline guys. Lastly, from OJ Trey, what can we expect Kirby Yates' role to be when he's added to the roster? Honestly, I think he could eventually, if he, you know, morph into kind of a good late-inning guy, especially because Will Smith has struggled. Um, AJ Minter has been up and down at times. Um, the shine's worn off of Jackson Stevens a little bit. Um, they've had a lot of roles in there and a lot of guys with a lot of versatility, but I think Kirby Yates, if he pitches, I mean, the rehab assignment's going really, really well in terms of results and how he feels. So if he pitches like that, I mean, I think he can be another late inning guy for them. Um, pretty, pretty immediately after they work him in, you know, back into the fold. All right. Final segment winners of the week. Take it away. God, my winner of the week's Austin Riley. Uh, and it's, (laughs) it's almost, it's almost a shame that we don't have a winner of the month just because, I mean, you know, well, it's our look, podcast. We can make it up. That's true. That's true. Well, he's just having the best stretch of baseball of his career uh, has really blossomed. You look at a guy a few years ago who was scouted, you know, as a pitcher would, you know, told the scouting, you know, the scouts, he'd do anything to hit. He told the Braves, you know, he'd, he'd catch if he, if that meant he could hit, he'd be their catcher. Um, and so getting this opportunity, you know, to play third base to hit, he's looked better at third base too, you know, as the years have gone on and just developing into one of the best hitters in baseball. He's mine. I've got to go with Brian Snicker in the non-Austin Riley category, uh, becoming the fifth manager in Braves history with 500 wins this week. When, when I retire and look back on things, I mean, stuff goes so fast and everything here. You don't have a chance to do that. It was nice. Players had a nice little thing there, and, and um, I'm honored. I mean, I'm blessed. Um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's neat, and it's a great group of guys to be a part of. Yeah, no doubt, because... Three of those managers, including Bobby Cox, are in the Hall of Fame, and the other guy only won the 1914 World Series with the Miracle Braves. Yeah, that's that's not a that's not a bad list to be on for Snid. Uh, the fellas had a champagne toast for him, and um, yeah, it's well well deserved. A baseball lifer um, who's getting this recognition means a lot throughout the organization, and said it was you know special to do it all with the Braves because quote this is home. And congratulations to this week's Braves youth baseball and youth softball coaches of the week. Russell Yeet of LaGrange, and he's a busy guy, too. He coaches baseball for Cotton's Heating and Air Angels, five-star West Black Mafia, nine and under, five-star West Yeetman, 15 and under, and Troop American, nine- and ten-year-old All-Stars. Also, Nicole Black of Cartersville, she is the softball coach for the North Georgia Wolfpack 10-and-under team, Rooks. So check out this week's nominees and cast your vote at AJC.com slash Braves Coach of the Week, which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves and your local Kroger stores. The Braves Report always comes out on Monday, but we'll be back with you on Wednesday with a trade deadline special.
Yeah, that's that's going to be fun. Um, and I'm glad you teased that because a couple good ones coming up. The trade deadline special. And then the next time we talk to them for a full, you know, like one of the weekly episodes, we'll have a lot to talk about after that five games in Queens. Yeah, so please tell your friends and tell us how we can improve. Rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe this podcast. Your ratings and reviews really do help us grow the show. So please help us out there. And we will see you Wednesday on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.